Welcome to this episode of CDM Media Executive Insights. We've got a great podcast for you today. We're joined by Dr. Zero Trust himself, Dr. Chase Cunningham. Chase is currently the Chief Strategy Officer at Ericom. Now he's got a great background, check this out. He's a retired Navy cryptologist. Chase has over 20 years experience in cyber forensic and analytical operations. According to his LinkedIn profile, he has operations experience ranging from cyber forensics, analytics, offensive and defensive cyber operations gained while functioning in highly technical and operational demanding work within the NSA, CIA, FBI, and other government agencies. When I come back, we have Dr. Zero Trust, Chase Cunningham. Chase, thank you so much for, for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me on. <laughs> So I'm, I'm excited to have you as a, as a top speaker at our Chicago CIO CISO Summit on September 9th. I'm also excited to come back to live events. As you know, CDM has those more intimate, top-level uh, executive types of meetings. It's, it's going to be a great day. But talk to me about the kinds of conversations you are having these days at these types of events. Yeah, I mean, it's been... Um... Interesting to kind of get back towards uh, real life. Um, I've, I've been to a few. I, I've been one of the, I don't know, Lone Rangers. I, I've seen bouncing around in different locations lately. I uh, went to New York for an executive event and Black Hat and a couple of others. Uh, it's, it's good that I think that we're still seeing some participation. It's starting to pick up. So maybe we're turning a, a slow corner there. Uh, but I mean, the main topic that I hear from folks is really their, their move towards ZT whether or not they're, you know, running roughshod with it or long-term planning, et cetera. Uh, I think the Biden executive orders had a lot of push for that. Um, so, you know, it's um, a strategy is now a pretty hot topic of conversation where it used to be straight technology, which I think is a good thing. Talk to me a little bit. And I want to hit zero trust, but I also want to hit general security as well. But talk to me about how zero trust not only transforms network security today, but can be a business enabler now more than ever before. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I put a study together a while ago and IBM backed it up with another study. So I always like to bounce data off each other and make sure that it syncs up. That said that there was a clear business differentiator for those that engage in cybersecurity strategy, specifically zero trust. Uh, and what it actually found out was it makes your business more agile, makes your employees more satisfied, and it removes uh, budget uh, or, excuse me, the misallocation of budget, which is super useful. And I can't find a single business out there that doesn't want to use their budget more effectively, doesn't want their employees to be happier, and doesn't want to, uh, you know, be more forward looking for where the future is going. In a recent episode of Dr. Zero Trust podcast, you mentioned 89% of leaders are confident their data security is good for work from home. That seems startling to me. I know it took you back as well, didn't it? So when, when we, I think when we look at that study, I think they were trying to basically say, um, do, do organizations feel like they have a hold on what they're doing sort of for security? And do they think that they have a line on where their data is? Uh, I, when I saw the numbers on that, having talked to a lot of people and doing workshops in the space, I don't think that that was very accurate to be perfectly frank. Um, I think it was, you know, anyone, I can't, I can't remember ever being in a room with 10 CISOs and having eight of them tell me that they thought they knew where their data was. Right. And, and this challenge is going to continue through this year as a lot of organizations are still doing a work from home or, or hybrid. And now I'm hearing some heading into the first quarter, you know, kind of pushing that back and pushing that back, the, the return to office. Well, what, one thing that's really increased, I feel, 
um, during the last couple of years is, is ransomware. And, and uh, you, you recently mentioned a stat you came across that 80% of ransomware, uh, the, the people don't pay. Do you agree that, that it's at that 80% level? It seems high to me as well. Yeah, I mean, again, I, I read through that and I, I mean, as a, I guess you'd say a, a student of data, I'm a little bit miffed on how the study was conducted. So I don't necessarily buy that. Um, because again, when you talk to the, the ground troops, right, do workshops and with those folks, there's a lot of them that say that they do pay. Um, I think what they were really meaning was that uh, there's a misconception that you that folks think they'll always get the key from the bad guys. And and I understand not paying because you don't trust, zero trust, right? That the bad guy will give you back the key that you need. Um, however, you know, if you look at historically, the majority of organizations that have been hit with a ransomware, they will admit to paying to get their data back. I, I, I honestly can't think of eight out of 10 that I've ever talked to that didn't pay to get their data back in some way. Yeah, and the majority of those get you know, hit a second time, right? You know, there's no guarantee. These are bad actors to begin with to trust that you're going to get your key back and everything's all good. Yeah, it's rare that you extort someone and then you find out that you can get money from them that you go, well, wait, I'm just never going to go back to that agent, you know, that individual again. If I know that I can press you and make you give me what I want, I'll do it until I don't have a reason to do it anymore. You know, it, it's fascinating with the number of organizations who have a skill shortage, can't find the right talent to, to bring them in. Talk to me a little bit about leaning on vendors more than ever before for, for guidance in this day and age and, and how that's changed. Well, I think and uh, we published research on this when I was still at Forrester that I, I, I fundamentally, fundamentally don't believe that we have a lack of human capital in the space. I think we have the people to do the work. I think what we actually have is a, a problem of using the technology the right way with the human capital we have. So we need to be in a space where we're leaning really heavily on vendors to give us those automated orchestrated solutions to do this stuff at speed and scale. And we need to vector away, in my opinion, from trying to manually solve the problem. I mean, if you really look at what goes on with, a, with an exploit or with a, you know, a life cycle type of attack, there's five or six times in there where an automated solution would help you reduce or eliminate the threat on its own. You don't need a human to stop something. And it, it, it's, it's a misconception I think that we have, and I think the research invalidates this, that we can't, we can't dig the Suez Canal with a bunch of spoons. We need to use the right solutions to do that at speed. Yeah. FUD, right? Fear, uncertainty, and doubt. I feel like it's still driving security decisions. You know, how do you see that changing in the next year, or is it just going to continue to snowball? Well, I, I really think, unfortunately, that FUD is becoming more applicable because ransomware has been so successful. And now we have a lot of small businesses that are starting to wake up to this thing of like their target too. Um, matter of fact, like I mentioned in my last podcast, I was playing golf with a guy that I'd never met. We just got paired up and um, he was talking about that they had bought ransomware insurance. And, you know, I, I, I sort of poked that a little bit more and got his, his feelings on why they bought that. And it wasn't because they were required to, but his worry was, you know, if and when something happens to them, and he said, and I think I'm quoting here, like everybody else, he needed some way to keep the business going. And that insurance policy for him was a lifeline. Wow. Well, September 9th, you're going to be talking about uh, dealing with reality, hype, and truth in cybersecurity in, in your talk. Give us a sneak peek because you're going to talk about uh, DOD, healthcare, major banks that are currently in transformation. 
How are they approaching security different today than they did say two years ago? Well, that's where the the, the whole process, I think, of, of ferreting this out actually falls into, right? I always talk to people in these speeches about the reality, like this is what's actually going down and this is the data that validates that this is what's up, the hype. This is where everybody spins stuff and the FUD comes into play and gets you trying to solve a problem that may not be real or solvable. And then the truth, like what you actually need to do and that we have shown that there is efficacy in the approach. And that's that's what I'll try and push forward in this whole thing. And honestly, the focus, in my opinion, should be on the truth. There's lots of hype and there's some reality, but what we need is the truth to actually fix the problem. And that that's starting to work its way up from the top down um, and I remind people all the time, the truth in this space is we will follow what the U.S. DOD does because they are the ones who have been in the fight longer than anyone else. So the fact that the DOD is now putting line item things and budget into zero trust initiatives based on an executive order means that there's a lot of veracity there and we should be paying a lot of attention. Talk to me a little bit about that executive order and how you feel that's changed the mindset and changed things for organizations. Well, I think for the longest time we've had big time, you know, like I say, we follow the federal government has been saying do these things and it's been kind of throwing cyber around and putting some practice in play and, you know, that type of stuff, which is good. But there hasn't been that that line in the sand from the president of the United States to say, do this and we will allocate budget and I'm holding people accountable. And now in the last quarter of business, we've had new executive appointees, we've had an executive order, we've had a team that's been put in place. And starting in October 1st, we will see line item with budget in the federal government for these initiatives. So it's a very good thing that this has occurred. Are, are we still playing catch up and, and so far behind? You see the T-Mobile you know, breach going on and, and that data was probably out there already, right? But you know, did, are, are we behind and how can we catch, catch up quicker? Well, I think we're always a little bit behind because uh, technology is usually used for the purposes of business and for uh, ease, making life easier before it is for anything else, right? So, I mean, if we if we look at where we're going with stuff, we have new tech coming into the space and we we're learning again and again, like it hasn't been vetted and it hasn't been secured, it's just been released to the market. So we're always going to be playing a bit of catch up there. However, um, we're not in a position where we have the option of not working to solve that problem. This is, you know, indicative of what's going on with national security. This is uh, useful in the context of securing the future generations who are going to be all digital. So we've got to we've got to slog up that hill. Um, and it's kind of that uh, thing where you know your your doctor might have told you like the only time you shouldn't take your medications when you're in the ground. Looking at September 9th, what do you want the audience to walk away knowing? or learning and making actionable? I really would hope that they'd walk away with, you know, there's, there's a breakdown of, of what kind of we've been pushed, what we understand, and then what we have to do. There, there's things you might do, there's things you would think about doing, there's things that might be valuable, but my real push is to say, if this is the reality and there's the spin in the middle and the truth's on the far end, these are the things you have to do to actually make a difference. The other stuff, Maybe, maybe not get to it. You've got the, as I mentioned throughout, the Dr. Zero Trust podcast. And you, you can get that anywhere uh, you tune into podcasts and, and also at, at cdmedia.com, we'll link to that. Uh, why did you start the show? Uh, because I, I mean, I just, I love this space. I read stuff all day long, every day. I've written books on it. Um, and I, I thought that I, I listened to a lot of content, but 
I didn't find anyone uh, that was really crawling through stuff and saying like, look, here's what's out there. And then here's an analysis of it with no vendor spin, no media twist. Like this is just somebody's thoughts that knows something about the space. And that's what I'm trying to do. Um, and I, I mean, for me personally, it's uh, I'm, pr I'm proud of the fact that I've yet to take any sort of um, uh, vendor sponsorship on anything because no one can twist what I say. And it's, it's my thoughts. And if you don't like it, then it's a big internet, but it's, I can guarantee you, it's going to be a real unvarnished opinion. What surprised you most in doing the show? You've done it for a while now. Um, actually, the speed of which I got really positive responses. I mean, I, I thought, okay, you know, my mom and my, uh, my wife and kids will listen to this and nobody else would, but I've been getting a lot of really, really positive responses. And um, I had a thousand uh, listens in the first 30 days of, of pushing it. So I'm, I'm pretty proud of that. Yeah, you know, last question for you here, and, and I know you're going to dive into this probably in, in Chicago, but looking at zero trust and zero trust framework that, you know, a lot of organizations are, are beginning to adapt or starting to adapt. How do you see the, the concept of zero trust changing in the next two to, to five years? I think where we're seeing it is that there's a, a focus on zero trust revolving around the entities in the space and not necessarily around the big infrastructure. And I think that the value that's there is that we see if we apply zero trust principles at a granular level to the many different entities that make up infrastructure, we actually gain ground faster. Whereas the old way was, let's just take this thing and apply it to this big broad swath and, and we'll get it right as we whittle away at it. We don't get enough ground fast enough to actually validate the business decisions needed to enable ZT. And that that's the difference that I see that it's coming with a whole bunch of different things, biometrics, self-sovereign identity, et cetera, et cetera. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for, for joining us. Looking forward to seeing you in person uh, here in a couple of weeks. So thank you so much, Chase. Thanks. A big thank you to Chase for joining us here today and looking forward to that September 9th CIO CISO Chicago Summit. If you want more information, go to cdmmedia.com. Also, if you want to listen to past episodes of CDM Media's Executive Insights, you can find those wherever you stream your favorite podcasts and also at cdmmedia.com. On behalf of everyone here, thank you and keep connecting. Keep connecting.